Welcome to the Lion's Den University Report. This program brings you a behind-the-scenes look at the spiritual life on today's university and college campuses. Now here's your host, Glenn Bailey. The following program was previously broadcast. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Lion's Den University Report. Uh, Those who are regular listeners know we travel around the country with our portable microphones and interview dedicated followers of Jesus Christ. And we've been coast to coast and north to south. And... Uh, but we're back here at our uh, near our flagship station. Our uh, production of our program is done at WTLR in State College, Pennsylvania, and we're at Penn State University, which is in that town. Some people don't uh, uh, understand the distinction. State College is the town, and Penn State University is the university, and uh, some jokingly call it the State Penn, but <laughs> it's a great place, and uh, we're in one of the newer buildings here in the uh, Millennial Science Complex, mm-hmm. and my guest for this broadcast is Trevor Clark, and he's in the material materials characterization laboratory. It's a mouthful, it is. and he works with electron microscopes, and he's the team leader for that. And uh, Trevor, uh, thanks for joining us for this broadcast. Hey, you're welcome. Glad to be here. And uh, you work with electron microscopes, and. Uh, uh, it's interesting, we talked about a previous guest we had who uh, discovered soft tissue in a triceratops horn out in Montana, yeah. Mark Armitage, and actually he was fired uh, from Cal State Northridge and gives me an opportunity to ask people to continue to pray for him. His legal battle, which is almost a couple of years, I think, now uh, continues, and so uh, fired because of his religious beliefs, not because he wasn't uh, skilled with the electron microscope lab that he ran. But uh, in any case, uh, uh, Trevor, you're working with electron microscopes, and uh, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got involved with uh, this particular field. Yeah, sure. So it was in graduate school that I started using them um, for my PhD work at Stanford, and I used... um, a technique called transmission electron microscopy, and I, we were studying um, how to make um, better and faster computer hard drives. And in order to do that, they have those hard drives have disk in them with thin layers, thin coatings. And in order to see those, you need to use the electron microscope to do that, especially if you want to optimize the performance. So that's where I started using it. And then after that, I had a postdoc at ExxonMobil um, at their, um, their corporate research lab in New Jersey and used the, um, the microscopes to study um, gas separations. So how do you purify natural gas in the ground with filters? Again, the, the pores are very small, so you need the electron microscope to do that. And then I've been here at Penn State for 11 years, um, using the electron microscope to, use, to help people all over campus study all the different materials, rock, diamond, plastic, brain, um, what anything, um, and then for the last uh, about five years, I've um, led the team, electron microscopy team. So I have a, right. a team of about um, six or eight people Great. that I oversee. Okay, excellent. And uh, you mentioned Stanford there. Uh, you know, uh, we're one in Christ. I think is a is a. Uh, 
uh, key message of Christianity that mm-hmm. uh, when you come to Christ, your brothers and sisters in the same family, and uh, I'm a Cal grad, okay, <laughs> and so we could have some rivalry here uh, with uh, Cal and Stanford, but yeah. uh, uh, across the bay. But uh, more importantly, I think uh, as today we we hear the racial tension in America, and you're an African American, and I'm a half Greek American, yeah. <laughs> and Irish, English, and all that stuff, uh, the other mixture. Uh, but uh, we're one in Christ aren't we we are and we are and that's something that God has done um, and it's wonderful wonderful in my eyes um, so as I said I became a Christian when I was in grad school or when I was 25 I'm 40, 45 now right and um, just to have God um, quiet that that anger in my soul um, I do I can remember um, wrestling with that so I'm grateful for the way that he has um, brought peace between the two communities Right, and uh, and I don't think it's all there yet. <laughs> it's no, ideally no, it's there, not. you know. That uh, no, and and on an individual basis, I think it works a lot better uh, than on the group level at this point. And people need to understand, though, that uh, you know, from a Christian perspective, we have a basis for. Uh, the racial reconciliation That's because right. we're all one race, the human race, That's and right. we're all made in God's image. And uh, of course, I remember back in my days at Cal, I was there earlier than you were at Stanford, and I uh, was a part of the Christian World Liberation Front, mm-hmm. and the Black Panthers were uh, active. And uh, I remember sure. the, my group handing me a, a placard to hold in a Black Panther rally one time. We had a number of us Christians there as we went to a lot of these different events, and somebody gave me a a, a placard saying, give Bobby a Bible. <laughs> okay. Oh. And fortunately, I was sitting next to one of my uh, black brothers there that, uh-huh. uh, to uh, protect my life, I guess. Sure. <laughs> but uh, in any case, you know, there is hope uh, for there people is. to get along because we are one race. And even uh, what I see also dealing on the universities is there's uh, a um, uh, discrimination based on education. Mm-hmm. And uh, the educated looking down on those who don't sure. have education or, or the professors looking down on the staff or the students. And mm-hmm. uh, it's human nature to divide ourselves up it and is. not see the common uh, respect we ought to have because we're all reflectors of that uh, image of God. Yeah, and, uh, so how did you come to Christ at Stanford then? What were <coughs> the circumstances there that led to your faith? At Stanford, in order to qualify for your um, PhD, you have to pass an exam that they call the candidacy exam. And it's an oral exam. And after I passed it, I can remember walking on campus. And you may know the Stanford campus is beautiful. And I remember like it was a glorious day and just feeling happy, but also feeling like, um, like, okay, now I passed this exam and I'll be able to get a Stanford PhD. And with that, I'll probably be able to do whatever I want to in life, you know, um, date whoever I want to, buy whatever kind of car I want to, within reason. Um, And I remember thinking, okay, well, now what? And not that I had already attained it, because I hadn't, but just that I had access to it. And I remember feeling, okay, well, well, you know, do I want to go down this path? Is it going to be worth it? So I started to ask my professors. I would like go out to lunch with them, and I'd say, "Hey, listen, what motivates you to work so hard?" And uh, I'm grateful they were honest with me. I remember mm. one guy said that, and um, what motivated him was seeing his name in the backs of books. Oh, and I got to think okay. about that. Well, right. you know, does, would that motivate me? I do like to see my name in the back of a book. Um, it wasn't enough to motivate me to keep going, um, but it, I thought about it as a potential motivation. Um, but in the end, nobody's answer satisfied me. So about that same time, a woman in my department invited me to her church. 
one of the things that struck me about it, even though I was used to going to church with, with people whenever somebody invited me, one of the things that was unusual is one, the pastor there, he was winsome and courageous and bold. Um, in addition to that, I was spending time you know, with this woman from my department as well as all of her friends, and it seemed like they would do what that book said even when nobody would know. Mm-hmm. And that, that baffled me, that mm-hmm. anybody would, would obey a book even when nobody was going to know about it. Right. Um, so that, yeah, like, like I said, that was, that was striking. Um, and we became friends, you know, not only me and her, but all, all of her other friends. And it got to the point where wherever they were, I wanted to be with them. So if they were in church, I would go with them at church. Um, so that was part one. Part two is um, you may know that um, Stanford has religious deans. And one of the religious deans there um, was a Baptist pastor. And he was also, like he was like that other pastor I just mentioned, you know, um, bold, courageous. Um, whenever somebody had to pray over a meal, they'd ask him to do that. So I respected this guy. And whenever I was like dis- discouraged during grad school, I would go to him and ask him, you know, just talk to him. And he would encourage me. Mm. Never once talked to me about the Lord Jesus. Never mentioned him. But anyway, they had a speaker series on campus called What Matters to Me and Why. And he was invited to go talk. And by this time, I had already respected him so much that I wanted to know what, like, how does this guy have so much power and, and authority and influence? So um, during his talk, he shared about how he became a Christian. He was raised in a Christian home. And he, how he had um, read a book that had changed his life. And it wasn't the Bible. It was called Your God is Too Small by J.B. Phillips. So, so I listened to, to him talk. And afterwards, I made an appointment with him. And uh, he gave me a copy of the book, and I read it. So in the book, the, the author describes how um, one of the things that we do, or that we're tempted to do, is we're tempted to think that God is like other um, human relationships we've had, like with our dad or Santa Claus. Or, and, he, and he says, you know, that, that can be good, especially if you have a good dad, but you have to be careful that you don't limit what God can do. And then by the end, at the end of the book, he presents that argument that I think Josh McDowell makes. That, um, that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God and that every person has to deal with that. You, everybody right. has to decide what they're going to do. Sure. Um, that either he was um, a liar, you know, that he wasn't the Son of God and he knew he wasn't the Son of God. He was just trying to deceive. But that doesn't make sense because the disciples were willing to die instead right. of um, renege on that. And his whole character doesn't give you the impression that he would lie. That's right. <laughs> that he spoke against uh, the lack of integrity all That's constantly. Right. Um, so that, by that time, I was already going to church with my friend, so I, that one didn't make any sense to me. Um, or that he was crazy, that he, he mm-hmm. wasn't the son of God, but he thought he was. He was just demented, right? right. Um, that, again, that doesn't make sense for similar reasons. That, sure. um, his disciples were told, hey, listen, if you don't denounce the Lord Jesus, we're going to kill you. And they're like, hey, you got to do what you got to do. Right. So that, <laughs> the fact that they had so much resolve after living with this guy, saying yeah. no, he wasn't, wasn't they, crazy. They all died martyrs' deaths except uh, John, That's apparently. Right. Yeah. And the last one is that he was telling the truth. And by that time, um, you know, I was spending so much time with God's people and reading his word that there was no way that I could deny that he was the, um, the Messiah, the son of the living God. So that's, what, that's when I became a Christian. That was in 1995, about 20 years ago. Right. Like I told you, I'm, I'm 45 now. Great, great. And uh, now how did you end up here at uh, Penn State? What uh, was the path from Stanford? Sure. Uh, you had postdoc, you said, and, and uh, getting yeah. here. Yeah, so that, again, looking back, it's going to look really smooth, but it wasn't, you know, going forward. <laughs> um, but when I graduated from Stanford, it was during the dot-com days. And um, 
there were lots of jobs o- open. In fact, I got a position at a, a local company where they were going to pay me a lot of money to stay in California, which is, I mean, that's where I was converted. That's where all my church family was. My wife is from there, so we wanted to stay. And I was about to take it, but ExxonMobil, who had paid for my undergrad, um, and I mean, they treated me like a son. I mean, not only did they pay all my expenses, but they corrected me and nurtured me like a father and a son. Um, so they had made me an offer, but it was for much lower. It's for about half the salary, mm. 44000 right? Right, right. Um, but anyway, they made me the offer, and I was about to take the, the more expensive one, and my conscience bothered me because I realized, you know what? The only reason why this other company wants you is because ExxonMobil invested in you. So I went to my wife and I said, Beth, I think we, that we have to take this. Is that this right? offer from wow. ExxonMobil. Okay. And um, I explained it to her and she said, yeah, I think you're right. I explained it to my church family and they all said, yeah, you got to go to ExxonMobil. So I went to ExxonMobil and shortly after getting there, they gave us all raises. So, right. so that was fine. Right. Um, okay. So after being at ExxonMobil for five years, um, I finished my postdoc there and then they had an opening here wor- working with the electron microscopes. So I came to Penn State. Great. And we're going to continue our interview together uh, mm-hmm. on our next broadcast. All right. My guest has been Trevor Clark uh, here with uh, leading the team of uh, electron microscopes here in the Millennial Science Complex. Uh, my first time in, in this building and uh, quite a facility uh, that you have here. And appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, And thank our listeners today for joining us for the Lions Den University Report. If you'd like a copy of this interview or any of our interviews, we put them on a CD format. And also they're posted uh, fairly often on the website, thelionsdenuniversityreport.org. And that's all one word in lowercase, thelionsdenuniversity.org. And our announcer will give you our contact information uh, at our conclusion. Thanks again for joining us. You have been listening to the Lion's Den University Report. If you would like more information about the Christian life or would like to contact the Lion's Den or one of the guests, please write us at the Lion's Den, Post Office Box 226, Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania, 17844, or email ltcldur at yahoo.com.